to humans leading humans towards the future of work that works for people. A smorgasbord of snackable stories to help you be a more effective leader. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, hope you're having fun. Thank you so much for dedicating the next half hour of your one precious life to listen to this episode. And I have a little gut feeling that you will not regret it. So my guest um, in this episode is the, how do you describe him? Wonderfully warm. Simon Casson, who is also the EMEA president of operations for the Four Seasons Hotels and Resorts. Now, I don't know if you've ever stayed in a Four Seasons, but I have been lucky enough to at various times in my life, various odd and wonderful moments. Um, and I'm definitely not the kind of podcast host that's going to promo a brand but I can tell you about Four Seasons and the experience that I had there every time is that they look amazing, but that is not what stays in my mind. What floods back when I think about being in these extraordinary buildings is the way that the people working there, the colleagues, how they made me feel. And that experience has been amazing every time. So if you want to find out what kind of leaders lead to having that extraordinary, excellent customer experience, then you've come to the right place. Now, I've only met Simon recently, but I have a feeling today's going to be a bit of a treat. But before I introduce you to Simon, I want to say a massive, massive thanks for all of your feedback. It's so important to me to understand what you like, what you don't like, what works, what doesn't, what, what makes you buzz, what irritates you, because you all know everything can be better, always. And so your feedback helps me to give you the most excellent listening experience possible. And if you, if you know somebody who you think is an imaginal leader who deserves to have their own episode of Humans, Leading Humans, do reach out and suggest a way or head over to catskeely.com and sign up to the Humans, Leading Humans newsletter. I'll keep you up to date with my trials and my tribulations and my triumphs in the worlds of Beep and Catsy. Head over to www.wearebeep.com com to find out more about our mind shift and behavior change culture transformation programs or i know you dear listener so because i trust you and, and know you please feel free to just email me cats at we rbeep.com. I've had a couple of absolutely cracking fascinating and funny mails this last couple of weeks so please keep them coming i love them so now if you're sitting comfortably get ready to meet the lovely simon casson simon casson so 
At this point, I always say to um, the audience how I met the people who I invite to be my guests. And we all know I'm a bit fussy about these things. I'm a bit picky about the people <laughs> who I choose to invite. Now, Sophie, who, as you know, dear listeners, is one of my favorite people in the world and is the CEO of the Marketing Society, um, sometimes suggests guests. And she said, oh, my God, you will love Simon. And we've talked and she was so right. I absolutely do. And I haven't heard your story, Simon, but I'm really excited to hear them. So tell the audience, how did you get to be the president of global hotel operations for the Four Seasons, which I've got to say, I've stayed in some of the Four Seasons and they are some of the best in the world. How did you get to that position? Well, it's, it's Europe, Middle East and Africa. I'd love to claim that uh, global mantle. And that's gloriously you, Cats, that you already are making me feel better about myself than, than I am. But my boss, who is the global head, <laughs> would maybe have an issue with that. And he's an amazing, he's an amazing guy. And, and let me tell you, Europe, Middle East and Africa for Four Seasons is a diverse region, 42 hotels in 26 countries, 15,000 people. My cup is gloriously full. Wow. You see, I asked you, I wrote it down, and I still <laughs> said the word global. <laughs> so how did you get to here? You know, a, a journey, and I think, you know, a life and career journey. And, you know, I've enjoyed uh, listening to a few of the other interviewees that you've done on this, Human Leading Humans, which I think is a wonderful nomenclature for, for the podcast. And, you know, what struck me is everyone has an amazing journey and you know I've been 33 years this year with Four Seasons and so if not all my career the large amount of my career and you know I often sort of you know look back and think what if I hadn't joined Four Seasons because what I realized that Four Seasons uh, gave me was a canvas upon which to paint this you know wonderful you know career journey that I've had and you know maybe I would have done other wonderful things we never know right uh, we're sort of like that proverbial seed in the soil it's if it's a sunflower you know it's a, that big black and white seed and you never know what it's going to become this glorious you know beautiful yellow and black flower you only know if you plant it in the right soil with the right moisture and oxygen and uh, sunshine the same for your career um you know where you choose to spend your time in town becomes instrumental in in what you achieve and so for me that sort of fertile ground was was four seasons back in the late 80s when i joined and you know a, a wonderful journey across the the globe to to, to where i am today and I, I can't, as I say, dear listeners, I have stayed in some of, as an example, I was lucky enough to be invited over to Riyadh and stayed in the Four Seasons there. And I have to say, I've never been treated so well in my life. There was no, there was no glitches, no blemishes. It was just an absolutely wonderful experience. And you can't get that level of customer, um, of customer experience unless you're creating an environment where people, all of the things that I talk about in the create framework. So now this is, so I sent you the create framework. How did that make you feel? What did it make you think? I, I enjoyed reading it because so much resonated with me and it sort of struck me. It's uh, it's really a, you know, descriptor of leadership behaviors, you know, sort of neatly placed together under you know, uh, you know, a, a catchy title, but they resonated with me because they're 
you know, if you read, you know, each of them, they're the key ingredients of, of success, the foundational stones that, you know, we use to build leadership. And they cover the whole gamut from, you know, some functional, but heavily focused on humanity and the humanity of leadership. When you see words like trust and empathy and equity, you know, they're very human descriptive words. So much more, you know, about leadership skills than subject matter excellence, which of course can be learned. Uh, whereas leadership is this uh, glorious reputation that we strive to earn daily. Some people strive to earn daily, Simon. <laughs> Other leaders, not so much, not in that particular way. So I'm dying to find out what your story number one is. I'm going to tell you about my mother in story number one. As I kind of looked, you know, the Middle East had empathy and there's, a, the, you know, under the T in your create framework, it has sort of trust and the last E has empowerment. And, you know, I think uh, we're talking about journey and every journey starts with a beginning. So, you know, I was 15 years old, um, finishing, uh, you know, O-levels and CSEs as they were in the UK uh, back in the day. My birthday's at the end of August, so I was always the youngest. I was still 15 and, you know, some of your listeners may remember you get called in for the official career chat where school tells you what you're going to do and who you're going to be. So, you know, I remember waiting outside the career master's office, you know, knocking on the, knocking on the door. Casson come in and I sat down and the summary of it was, Casson, you're a failure. You're not going to pass any of your exams and we don't see a bright future for you. Um, and so this is the the end of the road for, for school. And I said, uh, well, you know, I wasn't thinking about university or anything, but certainly I was, would have liked to have stayed on for A-levels. And they said, we haven't got the required grades. Um, you know, think about an apprenticeship or fixing cars or, you know, working in a, a building company or joining the, you know, joining the army. Um, but frankly, we don't see a bright future for you. So, you know, I went home because uh, you've got to tell your parents, your mum and dad were separated at this point. So we're living with mum. She was a radiographer, but had a bar job in the evening to earn extra money. So I was waiting for her to come home. And she came home late in the evening. I said, mummy, I had the you know chat with the career officer. And she sat me down. So what did they say? I said, mum, they told me I'm a failure and I'm not going to achieve anything in life. And there are certain inflection points, I think, in all of our lives that, uh, you know, changing of what the future might hold, because, you know, she put her arms around me and said, you know, Simon, you're going to become a leader of men. You're going to have a fabulous career. You're going to strut the world stage. And I believe in you. And at that moment, uh, listen, mama didn't know anything, right? She doesn't have a crystal ball, but she had love for me. But all you need in a moment in any moment in life, when the whole world is saying, no, you can't, you need one person to say, yes, you can. And so she instilled in me a sense of self and belief that, hey, yeah, I'm going to be somebody. Oh, my God, that's made me feel quite teary. And it's that it is that recognition, isn't it, that, that you have potential. And I know that you have that potential. And, I, and, you know, back to your point about leadership, it's something that every leader should be doing to all of their employees all of the time, saying, well, I, I believe, believe in you. Yeah, believing in people counts is so important. And listen, talent's not created equal. You've got to take that seed of belief and you've got to grow yourself and develop yourself. Um, and, you know, what I also believe is critical is the diversity of talent. And that can be gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation. But it can also be education or where you are born in the world can be a, a, dis a disadvantage. So all anyone wants is 
give me a chance. I will show you if I can grow, if I can develop, if I want it badly enough and I'm prepared to make the sacrifices. Uh, but too often people uh, are denied that first sort of chance or are told that they're, they're not great and that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So true. So true. And so many times I end up talking to bosses and they talk about the fact that, you know, some of their teams are lazy. They're not pulling their weight. They're not capable. And I'll say, how were they when you hired them? Mm-hmm. Were they in that way? Or did you think that they were amazing? And they'll go, oh, no, they seemed amazing at the interview. And they probably are amazing, aren't they? But there's something that's happening about how they're feeling that's not not wanting to make them do their very best. Yeah. I love that story. Thank God for parents, eh? (laughs) Bless mama. The good ones. Okay, what's your story number two? We know it's looking, you know, there's lots of ease in creating. We had empowerment and experience in the in the last E, in the middle E, enthusiasm, and then and, uh, the A, appreciation. And, you know, made me think about the sort of culture and ethos of Four Seasons. And, and you know, what I've talked about before is this sort of journey from, from good to great. And in our business, you know, which is the hotel business, to have a good hotel, you need a good location in the city. You need... Uh, you know, a building with architectural merit and presence. You need beautiful interiors, the marble, the glass chandeliers, you know, the gold leaf. But the reality is that all of those things can be bought. So they will only ever deliver good. They won't deliver great. If they could deliver great, anyone with money would be able to build, you know, great hotels, which time and time again has showed not to be the case. And so, you know, what became clear to me over the years is this quantum leap from good to great is is human. It's experiential. It's delivered by people. And that sort of comes around to leadership because the job of the leader, you know, Forsyth's culture is very much sort of earthed in servant leadership and create an environment, creating an environment where employees and team members can be the best that they can be. And, you know, I'll give you a quick real life example. Christine's from the Philippines. I met her when I was out there recruiting and she came to work in the Middle East some years ago. And I got to know this story from a guest and it talks about, you know, in, empowerment, enthusiasm and a sort of love for the job and a, a pride in serving. American guest uh, checking out said, hey, do you have any loose coins? He was in Doha in Qatar because when I go home, I always take coins for my son. And she only had one in the drawer, but there's a small denomination. <clears throat> and he said, don't worry, but, you know, I'll see you when I check out tomorrow. That evening, Christine went to the souk after she'd finished her shift and bought one of those plastic sets that have the coins of, of, of the state of Qatar, you know, seven or eight coins, probably cost her three or four dollars. And she gave that to the guest when he was checking out the next morning and he was blown away. And he wrote to me about it and said, you've made a guest for life. The dollar value was inconsequential. But how she said, how do you make employees care that much that they want to do something like that? And, you know, I think it's very much a uh, at the heart of leadership because, you know, people will, will do what they're told because they're paid to do a job. But the job of then of a leader is to empower them and also to inspire them to find, you know, what's the, what's the sort of, you know, potential within that. And you can only do that if people feel safe, if they feel empowered. If not, they'll stay in that safe center. But you know what? Excellence don't live there. Excellence is out on the cusp where you make mistakes and you fall and you trip up and someone leans down and you know, lends a, lends a hand. So for me, that was, you know, it's always a story I'm reminded of because 
shows me that the most important person in the hotel is whoever's dealing with the guest at that moment. And it's rarely the general manager. It's most often the frontline staff. And so the obvious question there, Simon, is, so what do you do as a leader? What are you doing to make that woman in Singapore, did you say? Philippines, she came from. Philippines. Um, what, what have you done to make that girl, woman, feel so passionate about her job and the customer to want to do that? Give the leaders, give the people who are listening to this tips. What do you physically do? You do what you're called to do as a leader, which firstly, and, you know, Four Seasons is built on this very simple golden rule, do unto others what you would wish to have done unto yourself. So I was at this time general manager of our hotel in Doha. Most hotels uh, recruited staff from all over Asia through agencies. We went there personally. I met thousands and I did the final interview for every member of staff. So when Christine went home in Manila and she said, hey, listen, I'm going to go overseas to Doha. Our family are scared and should I do it? And she said, but you know, I met the general manager of the hotel. And he seems like a good guy. When Christine arrived at the airport in Doha, some months later, there's a team from people and culture with an, a name on a banner and they're all clapping as she comes into the airport. In the Middle East, the staff live with you as well as work with you. When she got to her room, there's a personalized cup. There's a welcome note from me. When she gets into work, people are expecting her. There's an, uh, an onboarding and training program. And then she comes to realize that hey, listen, I can be me within, you know, this job and I'm treated well, I'm listened to, I have opportunities, uh, people are investing in me with learning. So what's stopping me being the best that I can be? Because, you know, employees don't want to be crap. They actually want to be amazing, but poor leaders cause them to be crap because they suppress them or make them scared or intimidated. So a lot of leadership is getting out of the way and creating that, you know, rich environment that's safe is aspirational. We're in the pursuit of excellence. It's not easily found. So we're demanding and we push hard and we ask a lot, but we do it with one arm around the shoulder saying, we're in this with you. And I'm asking so much of you because I know you're great and I know that you can do it. That's it. Dear listeners, just that's it. I mean, you know, every single, person, Lord Jim Knight, he was the first of my guests. He was talking about, you know, there are two sorts of companies or organizations, one of them you feel that you're in a community and everybody's watching your back, or the other one where you're always a bit crap because you're not doing your best because you know people aren't watching your back. So you're always looking over your shoulder to see where the next dag is going to come from. It's that simple, listeners. Simon's just said the golden truth. (laughs) And another guest uh, that I was lucky enough to interview was Kim Pullman, Paul Pullman's wife, whose entire sort of not-for-profit that she set up is around that golden rule. Just treat people the way that you want to be treated. And don't forget it. Just keep reminding you, whatever it is that you need to do to remind yourself that that's it. When I first started Four Seasons 33 years ago, you know, we had an orientation and, you know, I you know, heard from Isidore Sharp, you know, the uh, visionary who founded Four Seasons. And it, he pretty much put it simply, you know, treat others you wish to be treated. And you look at what's changed over the past 33 years in technology and management speaking. I mean, every area of society. However, when we onboard members of staff today, what they hear from us is very consistent with what they were hearing 33 years ago, because the fundamentals of amazing leadership are somewhat timeless. They evolve and they adjust for you know, the world we're living in. But there's a, this core tenants that, in my experience, have always proved to be true. 
And all of the science backs exactly that up. And, you know, um, Amy, when, she in, when, we were, when I was talking to her, Dan Ariely, when I'm talking to him, our brains are pretty much the same as they were when we were on the savannah, when we were first human. Nothing's yeah. changed since then. If you feel safe and you feel like you've got a community around you, you will thrive. Otherwise, you're going to feel scared. Yeah. I love that story. And actually, I've got to share with the listeners. The last time I talked to Simon, he had a little gift. Do you remember? No. What was it? Do you it? remember you had this amazing cake that oh, your yes. chef? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was... Uh... Yeah, I mean, the chefs love to experiment. And, you know, when, you know, leaders travel around the hotels, they use us as, as guinea pigs. And uh, actually, I was, I was in Budapest last week, and the amazingly talented uh, pastry chef there did a little figurine of me at a, uh, a baby grand piano because he'd seen a picture of me playing piano. It was just exquisite, so exquisite. It was all done in sugar. I cut it off the cake. I wrapped it in tissue, and I brought it home, and it's sitting on my piano at home now. <laughs> <laughs> And believe you me, I saw this thing. It was a work of wonder. And again, what makes people want to do that for you? It's really simple. I'll leave that to them. That's not a self-anointed you. <laughs> but I think people care. And I think people are proud. And I think, uh, you know, we sort of, you know, give and, give and receive in, in life. And I've always found the more you give out in terms of humanity and encouragement and, and trust, it just comes back to you in, in some beautiful ways. I could not I could not agree with you more. Okay, your third and final story. Well, you know, as a high school dropper, I read Create uh, many times, but I couldn't find the letter F in there. So I'm going to have to insert an F because my final story is about failure. Because I think so often we talk about how amazing we are and look, haven't we done well and look at the lofty position that she or he's achieved. Um but the gift of failure, particularly earlier in your career, is a valuable one. So kind of zzzz, whiz back to 1991. I'm in London at the Four Seasons Park Lane. And I was promoted, as it turns out, over-promoted to be room service manager. Room service, all the meal deliveries. So I get into the department. I'm, I'm pretty ambitious. I've had some success so far. Probably a little full of myself, Uh one might even sort of attach an arrogant tag at that point in my career. And I went into this department, you know, I was uh, 22 years old and the department was all men. They were all Portuguese. They were, uh, as was the way in London in the early 90s, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, European staff working in the hotels. They were all aged between 50 and 60. They all had big mustaches. I hadn't even started shaving at 22. So I felt like a boy uh, going into the lion's den of men. Um, and I just started telling them what to do. And I started reorganizing how they worked. They had an average tenure of over 20 years, each of them. How we arranged the mise en place, changing the schedule. You know, um, Guillaume, who'd had every Friday off for 20 years, said no one has fixed days off. We all, and, you know, I certainly, you know, they didn't say anything to me until it was a union hotel at the time. They all walked out and they said, we're not going to work with this young, you know, upstart. And, uh, you know, I had to go out and convince them to come back and learn the art of humility, because what I'd been was a manager. Nothing wrong with being, you know, a manager. That's all I knew to be at that time. A manager was, look what it says on my business card. I'm in charge and we're going to be amazing. I'm going to tell you what to do. You know, these guys had seen probably a dozen young pups come through as room service manager over the prior 20 years. What I should have done 
was watch and observe. What I should have done is listen. What I should have done is ask, you know, who was the best leader you ever had in this department? Who was the worst? What did they do? What would you do if you were the leader? What does success look like to you in this department? Wait and be patient and engage with them. And for me, it was uh, it was brutal. You know, I, I went home and I remember bursting into tears, you know, candidly and said, I don't think I'm, you know, I thought I'd got this big promotion. Now I think my career's over. I was really scared. Um, and so I won't pretend it was a, a happy or an easy time. And this is not one day. This was over weeks and months I had to recover. But with the benefit of hindsight, that early gift of failure uh, was in many ways the making of me because I learned that, you know, being a manager is the proverbial job title that anyone can give you. But, you know, being a leader is a reputation you earn and you re-earn from what you do and what you say and how you make people feel. So, you know, being brave enough to fail uh, gives you the gift of that sort of uh, amazing learning that's within. Oh, God, I can't imagine. And again, it's back to that. It's, uh, it's the recognition of the experience of those people and the empathy of imagining how those people must feel. I've been there, young upstart, you know, at that age where you know everything or think you do before you realise that you know absolutely nothing. I think mm -hmm. that is an absolutely extraordinary tip, and I really thank you for being honest about it because those moments are not easy, are they? Well, they're moments of moments of truth. And I share as I travel around in the hotels, you know, I share my story with the teams in the hotels about my education, about failures I've had, about struggles I've had in my own life, because I think this gift of vulnerability in leadership and allowing people to see the real you, rather than seeing a big title or an important boss, to see someone that struggled themselves, you know, along the way. And I think particularly in post-COVID days when so many people are struggling with self-esteem and uh, anxiety, you know, to share that, hey, sometimes I, I get that too. And I worry about things too, because they see you as, as omnipotent. So yeah, vulnerability and leadership, which vulnerability is, is really just, you know, one of your A's, that's authenticity. You're just being brave enough to admit it. You're so true. And, you know, thinking back on, you know, the beginning of COVID when, and, and my biggest memory of that time was that there was this huge democratization because it didn't matter whether you were a CEO or a president or somebody, you were there at home with your child wandering in through the door and your dog wanting your attention and just, just general home chaos. And it was so lovely because people couldn't really play command and control when you're in a situation where we're all just doing life. And I really, really hope that we don't drift back into the pre-COVID. I think there's been so much learned and kind of underpinned over COVID. And I really, really hope that we don't drift back into the non-create ways. And I hope so too. Simon, this has been an absolute treat. Thank you so much because I know you're slightly busy. Um, <laughs> so before we close down this lovely session, um, what would you like to call your episode of Humans Leading Humans? Be gloriously you. <laughs> Simon, you totally pinned it. I love that. <laughs> Listen, I've, I've had the gift of, of being allowed to be me. I'm, you know, often, a, you know, an odd shaped peg in a hole and probably am not the natural candidate for senior leadership along the way. Uh, you know, I'm outgoing, I'm spontaneous, I'm gregarious, I sing at, you know, at staff parties and 
and you know dance uh, with all the all the team but i think you know being gloriously you is a gift firstly everyone else is taken and if you can't be you that means you're coming to work every day working extra hard to be what someone else thinks that you should be and instead use all that energy just to be yourself and as you grow into a leader gift that on allow the people that work for you they don't have to be like you they have to be like them and the best version of themselves fantastic i don't even know what to say you're so 100% spot on it's been such a massive pleasure thank you for your time simon thank you cats oh i loved that simon and to be honest i could have talked forever such a pleasure what stuck with me a canvas upon which to paint a career what a lovely little quote that was don't know about you but i find it really really fascinating that simon has stayed with the same company for 33 years 33 years in the same company that's a lot of life and it makes me think about the fact that i've been speaking a lot about the great resignation not surprisingly recently it's a thing it's a really really big thing something's happened to people over covid so if people don't feel cared for if they're not given the autonomy to grow they jog on so wherever you're choosing to dedicate your energy your experience your expertise your brilliant leadership wherever it is that you're dedicating a proportion a proportion of your one precious life just just ponder that what are you not doing to make your employees your colleagues want to stay with your company actually i'd love to share another there's a little thing that we use a lot uh when i'm working with my clients I know that they find it useful and I hope you will too. It's really easy for companies to have employee experience in one department and customer experience in a completely disconnected other. But I want you to think about the word excellence. EX stands for employee experience. CE stands for customer experience. If your employee experience is world class, every time that customers touch your company on whatever channel, wherever, in a shop, in a hotel, they will feel that the people who work for you love working for your company. So excellent employee experience and excellent customer experience are one and the same thing. EX plus CE equals excellence you probably know by now listeners that one of the things that i really love about doing this podcast is it doesn't matter how important the people that i'm um, that i'm interviewing it doesn't matter how you know how stellar their role is they have all felt safe just to be themselves to be vulnerable and to talk about who they really are and that's incredibly it's such a an honor it's humbling you know and simon talking about his mother the unconditional belief and to talk about the stupid stumbles that we all make and how every single horrible mistake can and should 
make us better leaders. It's so easy to get stuck on this, um, on the role, you know, she is the president, he's the CEO. So I've worked with a company recently who were preparing to present to a board uh, because they had a new innovation program and they needed to obviously get the resource for that. I had to spend so much time peeling them away from the kind of rational, data-driven way of pitching an idea. And so eventually when they went in, they appealed to the humans in the room. And not surprisingly, they got the permission and the resource that they needed because, you know what, we're all just people. And that's what empathy is about, being able to see the human behind the title, the level, the department, trying to understand who they are. And the other thing that I suppose really has stuck with me is that it's so easy to focus on how things look. Uh, You know, we spend a load of time and money focusing on buildings and decorations and on the website, on the layout. It's so easy to focus on the things, how things look. And that's good. But more importantly than that, and somehow more difficult, is how you make people feel. Because, you know, everything changes. As Simon said, you know, fashion must come and go and what people expect to see changes. But there's only one thing that stays the same. If you reward your people, recognize their invaluable contribution. If you didn't need them, you wouldn't hire them. And they will stay with you. And and your customers will come back for a repeat visit because they will have felt valued. Brilliant. In fact, and in fact, before I, before I uh, sign off, um, Simon said something in another conversation that just keeps popping back into my mind. So I want to leave it with you. It's a brilliant piece of advice. And I've just, for some reason, it's been in my mind since I last talked to him. He said, uh, it's always worth bearing in mind that you should always try to be the person that people are desperate to sit next to at an awards dinner. So just think about that. You know, that moment where you walk into a room full of strangers, it's a bit, So what are the characteristics that make you think, God, what a lovely person. I really, really hope I get to sit next to her. Are you being that person? I think it's worth focusing on that, dear people. You have been listening to Humans Leading Humans Towards a Future of Work That Works for People. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with the Marketing Society. If you are a senior marketing leader and you need the know-how and the networks to succeed and you're not already a member of that brilliant tribe, jump over to their website and become part of the tribe. I would absolutely 100% recommend it. There's some amazing people and some inspiration in there that you don't want to be missing. Thank you to the fantastic Superterrania for the magical sting of stings. Go to We Are Beep to find out more about the CREATE framework and how we support companies by building cultures of connection and collaboration and unleashing the problem-solving potential of humans. If you loved this episode, and I certainly did, please pass it on to your friends, share it on social, 
Give it to your friends that you think might need a shot of inspiration or motivation or energization. Thank you so much for joining me. If there's a senior leader you'd like me to interview, don't forget, mail me cats at wearebeep.com. Please subscribe. The links are in the note. Be inspired. Be imaginal. Be more human. And I look forward to seeing you for the next episode.